This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. June 1, 20 and 23, Buck Off Thursday. All summer long, Buck Off Thursday will be powered and brought to you by the uh, Austin Gamblers, your professional bull riding team here in town. Gamblers uh, on their roster, Buck, the greatest bull rider living, and some say the greatest bull rider of all time. In the sport of bull riding, he's compared to uh, Pele and Michael Jordan, and you name the goat, the goat uh, Jose Vitor Leme. Is an unbelievable bull rider. So you're going to learn about him on that uh, eight-part docu-series, The Ride, is now streaming on Prime Video, so check that out. And, of course, the Gamblers will be on display at the Moody Center coming up in late August. Get your tickets now. Uh, what a lot of fun that was. Episode oh three goodness. Episode three of The Ride is when you'll see Austin, Moody Center, because it, it it documents the uh, you know every weekend. There are mm-hmm. eight weekends of bull riding with that that's PBR series. Now taking the individual sport to the team concept, and it takes you behind the scenes. And week episode three is where you'll see Austin, and uh, when Austin was hosting. When remember we did our show down there, which was really cool. Uh, They're so bringing forward. in the dirt. Bringing in that. Yeah, there were we, we were doing the show, and you hear the uh, dump trucks backing in and dropping the dirt and taking it from concert venue to rodeo arena. But uh, cool special stuff. dirt too. That's not just any dirt. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They've got to contract that out. They can't just get any. You need rodeo dirt. Mm-mm. I don't know what that means, but that's what we're told. Hey, it's going to be a fun uh, fun month. We've got a lot to do. The month of June is here. That means Longhorn football is back. Uh, they are going to be uh, coming back for their summer workouts to begin that process. And as many a coach has told us, Buck, and you probably know, championships are won in the summertime. Championships are won. You know, you've done your work through the winter, had your spring workout, you've defined your roster, and the work put in these, these weeks, six weeks from June 1st through, you know, Big 12 media days in the middle of July, which will then lead to the start of training camp. The work done here, coming together as a team, the leadership, uh, this is really, really important. Uh, oh, just like be. everything else has changed, that those summer times are now spent back at your campus again. Oh, yeah. Back around your, well, and you. And you, you don't have very much time at home. It used to be this was the time of, of the year where coaches would say, please go home to your parents, please. No, not anymore. Just get out of here. Well, you also Cut add the – uh, remember the freshman recruiting class, 13 of those guys were early enrollees, including Arch Manning and Cedric Baxter, and those guys were already here, Anthony Hill Jr., but 12 more will be rolling in that weren't a part of the spring. Right. You'll also incorporate transfer portal players that weren't a part of your spring that are coming in. And, um, the ones who had to graduate from yes, the other places that's right. Too, the, yeah. the kid Trill Carter from Minnesota – Players like that that are coming in, uh, the punter from Stanford, uh, Ryan Sanborn coming in. But uh, yeah, so you'll, you'll add new pieces, 
and then it's about the leadership. And that's one of the things in the all-gas, no-excuses season I really like about Texas is they've got leadership at every position. They've got veteran players and guys that could have moved on, right? The Jordan Whittington's at wide receiver, bringing in A.D. Mitchell at that position. Uh, quarterback room has got more experience. Offensive line, bringing back Christian Jones at right tackle, who's played a lot of football at Texas. Those guys are coming back with something to prove, right? I mean, uh, Jordan Whittington said, I, I haven't won a championship yet. Uh, I came back to to get myself in great shape and win a championship. Right. Um, and we see that on the defensive side. Jalen Ford, that linebacker, had a decision to make. Could have joined. Could have entered the NFL draft and didn't. He's back. Um, you know, looking to to take that next step. And so we'll document the Longhorns through the summer. Uh, but the leadership will be big here. And as we talked with Jerry Hamilton last hour, the additions of Paul Christ, Joe D. Camillus, uh, Payam Sadat uh, as analysts, uh, big time, big time. Longhorns going all in. It's safe to stay Steve, Steve Sarkeesian after the experience with Gary Patterson as the one advisor to the coach, having three now, one at each position group or one at each uh, phase of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, they're going, leaving no stone unturned to put this team in the best position possible to win a championship. Yeah, I kind of agree with Jerry that it could take for Coach Banks, he can really hone in on coaching tight ends. Oh, yeah. And, you know. And that that's a hard gig to give up. If you've been doing that, which seems like for a long, long time for Coach Banks to to give give a little bit of, I mean, to, to get help, you always have help because you always have help from other coaches at different positions. But to have a guy who, that's what he really honed in on in the NFL. Yeah, Joe DiCamillis. That's that's big because you really can then spend a lot of time with your group, well, trusting this guy. Well, it's and it's as as uh, Jerry said, he'll the players will love him. That's always been his calling card. Yep, uh, creative with the special teams, and that's what he's always been. Uh, with the Rams winning the Super Bowl just two years ago, and uh, Jacksonville before that, Cowboys he was there, and knows. Um, you well, know, he and I share the same birthday, June 29th. Yep, same year. No. No, he's 10 years younger than you. Yes. I'm You're 57, he's 67. Are you about to be 68? About to be 68 here this month. Golly. Yeah, I'm I'm older. Well, you're not Al Pacino. No. Fuck off to Al for fathering. You know Al Pacino is going to have a baby. Still messing around with ranch hands at 29. Ranch hands? <laughs> Instagram models is more like it. I'm bucking off Joe, Joe uh, Al Pacino. Tony Montana. I'm bucking him off. Say he said, "Say hello to my little friend." <laughs> yeah. and now look at him. Now he's now look at what he's done. Now he's gonna have a baby. And at eighty some really, years old, is 80, that fair? That he, I mean, I guess you, you do what you have to do. Love is love. Doing all that stuff, on. but is he gonna be? Come will on. He, will he be there for her for the for his for his? He might daughters? not be there when the baby's born. <laughs> <laughs> oh gee, that quick? Listen. Here's the thing. This is so. So he won't be there for I, her graduation. I, you know, to each his own. Not to be too judgy. What about her college graduation? He won't make that. No. No, unless he's getting some of that HGH out of the breast milk we were talking Whoa. about. Wow. But so, so Al Pacino has not. He's only gonna have an infant here coming up with a 29-year-old baby mama. Because remember, Al's never been married. He had three three kids with Beverly D'Angelo, D'Angelo mm-hmm. or whatever the uh, the actress, but never got married. But he has a 33-year-old daughter, a 29-year-old girlfriend, and now an infant. How creepy is that? What up, Al? Good luck to you. How about that? Beverly wow. D'Angelo is probably my first my first crush. Oh, from the vacation films? Yes. Chevy Chase? Remember when, uh, who was it, Christy Brinkley and the Ferrari rolled up in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that movie a little too young, I think. 
Did Probably you? Probably so. Oh, yeah. Made an impression all early, huh? I love all those movies. You, so you loved Beverly D'Angelo. Most people, when they think vacation, would say Christy Brinkley. But you, you like the uh, the mama type. I like both of them. Oh, okay. I like that. But, yeah, she fought, She had three babies with uh, with Al. She, she shows Al. some skin in that movie, too. And a few Did of them. she really? Oh, yeah. I, and you know what? Vacation was great. Christmas vacation was awesome. Uh, European vacation was terrible. That's the one I Vegas watched. vacation's good, too. I never got to Vegas. What? I, vacation's a classic. Papa Giorgio? I never got to that one. No. I remember <laughs> going to the theater to see European vacation, and I left. I was so disappointed. I was a, I was a teenager. I like, Hellboy oh. too. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't uh, I couldn't stay. I was like, it just didn't grab me. And then, because Christmas Vacation is a classic, mainly, mostly because of his cousin Eddie and uh, Randy Quaid. <laughs> cousin Eddie is big in Vegas Vacation. He's there the whole time. Randy Quaid's awesome. Man. Love that. Most the, talented of the Quaids. The better actor of the Quaid, f- yes. Quaid family. Dennis is the bigger star, but Randy's the better actor. Uh, buck onto that, T.Y., back onto that take. Okay, so uh, uh, some NFL, as we talk some football, we'll get back into the Longhorns. Remember the uh, the Longhorns headed to Coral Gables. Somebody asked about David Pierce. No David Pierce this morning. Got a note late last night that they wasn't going to be able to, to make the uh, 8.30 visit. Hopefully we can reschedule that. But uh, we'll talk some Texas baseball coming up. But also, Buck, the uh, football. You know, June 1st is a big day in the NFL because it's post-June 1 cut day, right? You can now cut players. And remember, Zeke Elliott was cut, but he was designated as a post-June 1 cut for the Cowboys, and it was to save salary cap money. Uh, but now that June 1 is here, you could see some players cut, including Dalvin Cook. This is going to become a big story now. We know that uh, the, the the Arizona Cardinals already went ahead and cut DeAndre Hopkins, and they're going to go ahead and eat that $22 million cap hit this year as they run to the bottom. They're going to try to tank this Rob year. as they run to the bottom. Oh, they are. I mean, that's and that's that's smart. You know, the Cardinals don't do a lot of smart things, but that's smart. To say, you know what, we're going to be really bad this year. Kyler Murray's hurt. We're going to take this and absorb this cap hit now so we're not having to deal with it beyond. And the, the, the Cardinals are going to hope that they roll craps here, and, or don't roll craps, but they roll, get, get some, they could end up with two top three picks. I but. think that that was the best move of the draft. Potentially. Potentially. Now the Texans are happy with Will Anderson and, and C.J. Stroud. D'Amico Ryans yesterday said C.J. has been tremendous. Uh, they've begun their their the, Car- the Cardinals will have an opportunity to do something similar next year. Yeah. You know, if they have both. Well, look, Houston would like to say we're going to win seven or eight games and we're going to make that a draft pick that is. Look, I mean, if Houston has improved in a lot of phases, they can they in that division. I mean, they can play Tennessee it's, twice. They can play gonna, the Colts twice. The te- the Texans in their own division can put some wins on the board, and they're playing a last place schedule. So if D'Amico Ryan's comes in and they're improved, you're right though, Ty. I'm not, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying the Texans are hoping to make that a you know a pick between ten and twenty. The, the possibility is Houston is no good, and the pick is in the top five that they gave up to go up and trade Will Anderson after drafting, drafting C.J. Stratton. Right. And if they do, they will likely have the number one pick. That would be the Arizona Cardinals of their own because they're going to be terrible this year. And then Houston's pick. So now all of a sudden you've got the ability to take two cornerstone players. And they got Paris Johnson this year too. Yes, they drafted Paris Johnson, the big left tackle out of Ohio State, which they need offensive line help. So, yes, they had a nice draft, potentially. Houston would like to make it not so nice, but they feel like they had to do what to do to get two. They wanted two cornerstone players for their team, a quarterback and a pass rusher, and that's what they feel like they have in those two guys. We'll see what it costs them uh, big picture. Uh, so the Minnesota Vikings, though, are the interesting team here, Buck. DeAndre Hopkins already available, and he has now hired Clutch Sports, by the way, DeAndre has. He was kind of doing his own agent thing, and now he's hired. He's joined Clutch Sports, and they're going to help negotiate his next deal, which sounds like he's going for – 
more than less. He's he's going to try to cash in at 31 years old and play find a place where he can be productive and be good, but he's not going to do the the cut rate thing. And I don't think and just chase, chase so he has the money for him. I still think the Giants. Uh, Jets are a team too. Jets are a team. You they know they have the, they I mean, have so many receivers already. Well, not really. They yeah. traded. I mean, they have. They have Randall Cobb and they Alan have Lazard. Alan Lazard and Garrett Garrett Wilson, but they traded Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Um, yeah, Corey Davis. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where DeAndre lands. But the and name they also signed Miko Hardman too. The team that percolated out yesterday was the Cleveland Browns, or were the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson is the quarterback there now, and Deshaun and and uh, DeAndre are good friends. They've been both went to Clemson, both played for the Texans. Um, you know, yeah, and when, when Deshaun Watson came on his recruiting visit to Clemson, it was DeAndre Hopkins that right. hosted him. And, and Hopkins got to be looking at Deshaun and say, "Hey, can you really throw anymore?" Um, there were some highlights from Browns camp the other yesterday that were pretty good. He threw a long touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin, uh, the former Longhorn who's there. But how about DeAndre Hopkins to go with Amari Cooper to go with Nick Chubb in the backfield? The tight end. That's what the Browns would be thinking right there. And look, I think DeAndre Hopkins is gonna. You know, he's never been a free agent. He was he's drafted by the Houston Texans, then traded. Uh, this is a chance to kind of. Play the field, see what's available, go where you're going to be the most comfortable and have a chance to win. Because on that Texans draft pick, Houston would like Cleveland not to be good because they still own Cleveland's number one pick next year. But uh, D-Hop would be good there. But the other name is Dalvin Cook. And this one could get pretty simple. The June 1st deadline is here. So they can cut him and save $9 million of cap room, the Minnesota Vikings, your Minnesota Vikings. Yes. And they would only have to carry $5 million of that in dead money simply by cutting him now, waiting until June to get that done. Had they cut him before it, they would have you know, taken a much bigger hit on the salary cap. But now he's likely to be available as a free agent. And word on the street is he wants to sign with the Miami Dolphins. Let's go the home. Miami Dolphins, yes. And join that team. How electric would that offense be at that point? Dalvin Cook, Jeff Wilson, and uh, the rookie from A&M, Devin A-Chain, Devon A-Chain in the backfield. Receivers, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill. Oh, they may not even need the quarterback. I mean, well, you got you to have one somebody to orchestrate it all, but that is a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. They've also improved their defense this offseason. Remember, they, dra- they traded for Bradley Chubb right. from Denver last year to add pass rush. They also traded for Jalen Ramsey from the Rams to play cornerback in their defensive backfield. And Dalvin Cook, watch out. I mean, that was a Dolphins were a playoff team a year ago, even mm-hmm. with a third string quarterback You're at right. the end. That becomes a very scary team. Now, I'll give you the caveat on Dalvin Cook. Ty, do you know the Dalvin Cook connection to Mac Brown? No. All right, so this is always one Longhorn fans need to remember. Walk down memory lane. Mac Brown's final season. Remember, they they started terrible, had to fire Manny Diaz. They left it, him at the airport. <laughs> left him in Provo. <laughs> And the, the the thought was that there had been a deal made that if the Longhorns don't, because remember after winning a national championship, almost getting almost winning a national championship with Colt, that things had grown stale with Mac Brown. And we can still have the debate of whether this was a good idea or not. But the powers that be felt like they needed to move on from Mac Brown. Maybe he was getting a little bit too big for the program, uh, chasing legacy. He wasn't going to get this thing back to where it was. And so the agreement essentially behind the scenes was, if you don't win the Big Twelve out, right? And that'll be it for the Mac Brown tenure at Texas. And by some accounts, Mac Brown agreed to that. That, you know, okay, then I'll go if we if we don't win the Big 12. And they didn't win the Big 12. Mac Brown after getting off to the slow start, they got to the Baylor game against Art Briles at the end on that frigid day in Waco. Baylor won the game, they won the Big 12. Texas was season was over, which the immediate thought was, well that's it for Mac Brown, that he's going to uh 
you know, live up to his part of this, and he'll walk out, and this will be it. And a certain AD had to re- to fire him. There were those well, that worked his job that well, remember, said, I'm not firing that season, Mac Brown. During that season, DeLos Dodd stepped aside. Right. Because the same powers that be that wanted Mac out were going to hold whoever the AD was to the fire to make sure this happens. So they fought, So DeLos Dodds gracefully exited. He said, I'm not firing Mac Brown. And he retired. Right. And then the hiring process for athletic director was going on October into November, and the, the likely candidate was Oliver Luck, Andrew's yes. dad, who was at that, that time at, was for West Virginia. And he was going to be the replacement. He was going to be the new AD. He had gotten a law degree at Texas. There were a lot you know of what ties. he had to do, Ty, when he going to get this gig, probably? What? Um, fire somebody. Fire. <laughs> and so Steve uh, Oliver Luck, by reports, was not going to do that. He said, my first job at Texas is not going to be to fire Mac Brown. That's not – I mean, this guy's up there with Daryl Royal as the greatest right. coach in all uh, – that's not going to be my first role. So guess who didn't get the job? <laughs> Oliver Luck. Guess who did get the job? The Hatchet Man. The Hatchet Man came right in. Steve Patterson. Oh, he goes, said, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Who, me? I I'll, get the job. I'll do it. By the way, while I get back to the Dalvin Cook story, <laughs> I, I heard my, Craig Way told me this, and I didn't know this part of my Dallas Cowboys history, but Craig Way said that Brad Sham told him that part of the reason Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, and there were other bidders for the Cowboys in the late 80s to buy the team, but Jerry was willing to fire Tom Landry, the bum bright, the owner, Whoever bought the team had to agree to get rid of Landry. Like, Landry's got to go. And everyone else was taking the this huh? is the legendary Tom Landry. Fire him. This is going to be my first job. And, of course, Jerry said, I'll do it. <laughs> no and, problem. And so, Where's he at? The golf course. I'll, I'll get there. And, and according to Craig, through Brad, the, the Jerry Jones was not the highest bidder. There were higher bidders to buy the Cowboys when Jerry Jones bought the yeah, team. Yeah, but those guys weren't going to fire Tom right. Landry. They couldn't do that. And that was that. part of the deal with Bum Bright. Why did, the, why did Bum Bright care? I guess he had fallen team. at odds with Tom Landry. And, I mean, remember, when, when Jerry bought the team, there was no talent on the Cowboys. I mean, they it were sucked. terrible. Yeah. And that was part of it, kind of like Mac, that things had grown stale. It's been a great run, but you know, you're, it's, it's passed you up here. Time to go. So Jerry's like, I'll do it. And so, he, of course, he fired Tom Landry while he was playing golf here in Austin <laughs> and uh, not really classy. And hired Jimmy Johnson. And we know the rest is history there. Well, in the Texas situation, Oliver Luck said no. Steve Patterson was hired. And by the time we got to that Baylor game, Steve Patterson was Mac Brown's boss now. And, you know, he was informed that, you know, Mac, Mac has agreed that he's going to make this his last year if they don't win the Big 12. So season ends, regular season ends. You know, Mac Brown's going to walk away casually and say, see you later. It's been a great run. Well, guess what? No one could find Mac Brown. If you remember, after that Saturday, Mac disappeared. Soft recruiting, and he went to recruit. He says he went on a recruiting trip to Florida to recruit Dalvin Cook. That he 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 wasn't going to walk away, and this would let everybody know the powers that be at Texas that this was not going to be a graceful exit for Mac. He was still he was, working. Yes, he took off because no one could find him, and he was recruiting in Florida. Uh, rec- and Dalvin Cook was the primary target that they were recruiting him, and then he went straight from Miami where Dalvin Cook grew up and played high school ball, to New York, remember, Buck, for the, what was it, the College Football Awards deal, the, uh, the Heisman Trophy ceremony, something. So he was in New York. He went straight from Miami. He never came back to Austin until the, the team banquet that Friday night. And if you remember how they call it the Red Wedding or whatever. That, oh, uh, my goodness. And throughout the week, the speculation was on fire that if Mac Brown would go gracefully, Nick Saban was going to take the job. Nick Saban would leave Alabama take the job at Texas, take the reins. A deal had already been cut with uh, the big boosters and his agent. And the stipulation Saban had was 
Max got to go gracefully. Well, Mac did not go gracefully. He went to Florida to recruit Dalvin Cook and went to New York. They were still working. Hey, can't blame the guy. Still working. Yeah. Well, they were ready for him to go, and so they, so, and they didn't want to have to fire Mac while he's on the road and all that. So they needed a, a sit down. So if you remember, he comes back for the banquet, and while at the banquet, uh, to honor the team for the year and hand out the team awards and uh, the red banquet, as they call it. During the banquet, the the news breaks that Nick Saban has inked a new long term deal with Alabama, right? Which was going to scuttle any opportunity of coming to Texas. Um, which you know, sent everybody on fire. Yes, here. yes, and um, which every all, all the boosters who felt like they had a chance and fans that felt like there was a Nick Saban opportunity that was scuttled by Mac and his his uh, deliberate stalling and, and not coming to talk about it. So Saban signs his deal, which links him back. And, of course, Saban then denies there was ever talk with Texas and all that that went on. Uh, so then, then Mac Brown stepped down the next day on that Saturday with recruits in town. Mac then agreed to step down the following day. And I remember I was at a wedding. I had, we had covered the Red Banquet the Friday night before mm-hmm. uh, when, when, when Saban signed his new deal. So everybody at that point thought Mac was going to be back. That you know he won the battle. Steve Patterson's gonna have to stick with him, and the next thing you know, on Saturday afternoon, the release comes out that Mac Brown has stepped down from oh, Texas. Oh yeah, the machete went to cutting people all over the place. Which is why there's still a lot of resentment at the highest levels at Texas for Mac Brown for not allowing the Nick Saban thing to come and happen. Of course, Nick Saban went on to win a bunch of more national championships at Alabama. Mac Brown. Retired and stepped aside. Steve, and Steve, Steve Patterson, Patterson hacking, hired. He, he, to, he started hacking people left and right. Well, imagine you think you're getting Nick Saban, and then you get Charlie Strong. Correct, and that was the hire. Charlie Strong became the hire. That was yeah. Oh, Good you job, talk, Steve Patterson. You want to talk about the BBs out of the box and a <sighs> fractured program? It, it, it happened when Daryl Royal stepped down too, and the Mike Campbell, Fred Akers situation fractured the program for a decade. You know, this fractured the program because not only did they not get Nick Saban. Not only did Mac Brown not stay, which would have been the better thing once you didn't get Saban, you hired Charlie Strong. Which it was like your eighth pick. Yeah. And so the boosters who wanted Saban now said, we hired, remember Red McCombs? Oh, We hired Charlie. Coach. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he said some crazy stuff in his life, but they, I think he was right about that one. And remember, it was crazy. So remember that, and this all started with Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook, according to Mac, was the focus of the recruiting trip to Florida to hide out. <laughs> and so you end up with Charlie Strong. And so Charlie never really had a chance. He had oh, a terrible no. athletic director. I mean, this is, we talk about what led to 10 years of mediocrity for Texas that dude athletics. Couldn't get, and, I remember Charlie couldn't get anything. I don't think I don't think you get a tower to go up in no. and watch practice and stuff. No, no. The, bo- the boosters were not happy. And that were first not recruiting invested. class was Sam's. Recruiting Sam Ellinger's recruiting class that was a terrible. Well, that was Her- that was Herman's first recruiting class. Oh, was it? That was Herman. That was later. Yeah, back in was Char- it? Yes. Uh, oh, that was because Charlie's Charlie, last class. Well, remember, it got so bad for Charlie Strong that within the middle of year two, there were reports that he was talking to the University of Miami to become their head coach. He wanted out. He should have done that. Yes. Well, in hindsight, yes, he should have. Uh, it had gotten that bad, and of course, Charlie had three different offensive coordinators. Well, oh, they for stayed years. pretty bad at Miami. He, that wasn't going to help them. They never, well, because well, Charlie, you, you, you recruited against Charlie Strong in Miami. He has great oh, ties in South. But he had unbelievable ties. So Charlie felt like that would be a good spot for him, and he could tell there was no winning at Texas. Because Charlie the, used to just tell me the guys that I could get I mean, to even come for a visit, and the guys, Buck, don't waste your time. Well, and so that's ten years ago now, uh, a decade, and this is why people are excited about Texas now that the BBs are back in the box. Steve Sarkeesian has lined this thing up. Chris Del Conte is a great athletic director. The president, Jay Hartzell, is very 
you know, hands-on sports-wise. And um, you went to the university, graduated from the university, so he's involved. And there's unit, you know, uniformity. They're on, they're in line and in lockstep. And when Texas gets going, that's when they can be really good. Obviously, for a decade they were fractured again. And it happened. Same thing happened with Daryl Royal. That the the program gets against each other and at odds. Uh, it happened the way Daryl. Because remember, Darryl, you know, if you don't remember, Daryl Royal wanted to hand the job to his defensive coordinator Mike Campbell. And the powers that be at Texas had different ideas. They wanted to go outside the program, and they hired Fred Akers, which made Daryl Royal mad. And that lasted for a long time. I, I think Fred was winning at like an 800 clip. Fred did a good job, but kind of like he did better than Charlie Strong did. Charlie well, Strong never yes. had a winning season and had three different offensive coordinators in three years. But, you know, Fred Akers nearly won national championships while he was at Texas, and they still didn't like him because it wasn't the guy Daryl wanted. Uh, but so I think from Char- Mac to Charlie, no Saban to Tom Herman, which was also, you know, a quick hire uh, when, when – Herman. Tom Herman went a lot better than Charlie Strong. Yes, he did. A lot better. He he did a lot better job. But Tom Herman's failing was his ability, inability to get along with people. It was his own demons, yes. his personal demons. Well, yes, he, he, he couldn't build relationships. The boosters didn't like him. He soured with all the high school coaches, and his recruiting began to wane. Um, you know, his team, you know, same everybody. Tom really didn't have an ally at the end. And he, that's why after winning, what, his fourth straight bowl game, and putting a winning record on the board, that's why he was let go and Steve Sarkeesian was hired. Tom Bull Herman. Tom Bull Herman. And here winning we are. is hard. You forget that sometimes. <laughs> winning is hard. Winning is hard. Yeah, Charlie and Tom. You can win those bowl games. And now, I, you know, the hope is Sark is the right guy. Uh, he's certainly built a talented roster and upgraded the talent across the board. The coaching staff is intact and looks to be a really good one. Uh, the analysts that they've just hired seem to be really good. And he got so, his loss to Kansas out of the way already. Yeah, which is uh, why the optimism. But, yes, that all goes back to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin and now Cook. he has to do is win the Big 12 on the way out. How hot is the seat next year? I mean, I, my expectations are high. I think the scene's going to be great. But if if we aren't – or Texas isn't as good, there aren't any major injuries that affect the, the record. And they're How not as good? How hot is Sark's seat going into next year going oh, to the huge. SEC? Oh, huge. I, I think it's – I think it would be pretty hot. Like but, say they go seven and five in the regular season. But he will be coaching. Urban Meyer be coaching on speed the, dial. Yeah, but Urban will, Meyer no, on speed dial. Yeah. He will still be coaching the SEC. Um, if they go seven, they and go five. seven and five. Um, no major injuries. And the major factor is his coaching and lack oh. of the ability to win big football games. Now, if it's on him, as you say, if it, if I, I don't guarantee this would happen, but guaranteed. Look, Urban Meyer's name is going to be back out there. Trust me, Urban Meyer's last run is not going to be with Jacksonville, that debacle in the NFL. He'll be back. I think he's waiting for Chip Kelly to get fired. Possibly. Go to UCLA, go to Big Ten again. Possibly. UCLA, uh, now that they're moving into the Big Ten, you know, Texas A&M will be a name if Jimbo Fisher sours. Because if you're going to take the move to buy out Jimbo Fisher in that contract because he's not getting it done, you're, you better have a, na- a big name. You better, And that would be an Urban Meyer conversation. But, you know. But I don't, you know, I think Sark's the right hire. I think Sark's going to do a really good job this year. I think he's got his players, his type of team. He's and, building uh, towards it. I, I three good quarterbacks, and uh, I mean the recruiting classes. Yes. Hey, we'll come back. We ran a little long, but wanted to tell you the Dalvin Cook story and how it uh, tentacles back to Mac Brown and the beginning of the uh, downfall of Texas football. It's Beanie on the Horn. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's Bucky and Aaron. Girl, but it's 
Good stuff. Walk down memory lane, a little Texas football then and now. A lot of optimism right now. Hadn't been there in a while to this level. I guess the last time Texas football was this excited was uh, Sam Ellinger's senior year when uh, they had come off the win in the Georgia, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. There was a lot of excitement, but not even to this level. Well, yeah, I guess it was. Ty, if you remember, when, when Sam was going to be a senior and this team had a lot of leadership and you know, it wasn't a terrible team, but it didn't maximize, didn't win the Big 12 and with a team that was favored by most to do so. And that's when you know, Tom got at odds with the administration and the flap over the eyes of Texas and all that went down there. But uh, a lot of optimism right now for the Longhorns. Somebody said uh, Sark must either be extended or fired next year. That's pretty adamant, but probably true. Three years in, all your players, all your coaches, and uh, a Big 12 that is wide open, um, you know, go win the dang thing and uh, win a championship. I know that's what Sark's mindset is uh, as he builds this coaching staff and tries to uh, add as much, you know, answer, you know, cro- check as many boxes as possible to make sure this team is ready to go. And that will begin this month with summer workouts ahead of Big 12 football media days, which will be in July. And turns out, it doesn't look like you and I are going to be at the Big 12 media days. Yeah, all this stuff is happening in the afternoon this year, it seems like. Yeah, so we you know we're, we make it a staple that you and I broadcast live from Cowboys Stadium. Now, the horn will be there all day. Um, but, yes, the way the Big 12, at least right now, it's still a little bit tentative. But they're planning to do, remember, there are 14 teams that are going to be at Big 12 media days over two days. So they'll do seven teams one day, seven teams the second, but the, the, no one's going to show up to do anything until almost lunchtime. Uh, so it, I think it goes from like 11 to 7 each day with the media sessions and the coaches. So, you know, if we, go, if we were to go up and be on 6 to 10, we'd be sitting in a big empty building. A big, big You see the spot where Dak, where Dak went down. But we will, you know, have live coverage. and You and I will be covering it from our end. But then, yes, you know, the rest of the show's on the horn. Craig and Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chad and Zay, Harge and Rod, I mean, right through the middle of their show is when the meat of the uh, the two-day event will happen in July. So we're already looking forward to that. And our, our friend Travis Tyndall, Hay City Store, will help us get there again and make that happen. It hasn't been the same about. since Cliff was, wasn't there anyway for me. Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. You, yeah. you two made, created quite the bond. Yeah. yeah. I know you remember him. Do you think he remembers you? Of course he Cliff does. Cliff Kingsbury? The guy sniffing around him you know, the whole time? Cliff will... Cliff will not be there this year. No. Because he's at USC now. Cliff is coaching quarterbacks. Yeah, and Sark was a well-dressed man, too. Sark, Sark can dress. Yes. Well, sometimes his <laughs> wife gets a little overboard on game days with some of those race car outfits. But, um, yes. But no, he's uh, his wife. Remember, his wife, is L'Oreal, is a fashionista. Fashionista. Big-time fashion, fashion lady. She's Absolutely. She's big on that. And uh, she dresses him well. Uh, and he likes to look, look nice. He's a sharp-dressed guy. So is uh, Chris Del Conte. I bet he's got his gear on. I, you know he's got his Texas gear at the SEC meetings. He wore flip-flops. He wore a Texas shirt like he wore the beach gear. to the Because remember, Texas was there to make an appearance, but they didn't have a But he's got some nightly, He's got some nightly gear that I'm sure he's sporting that looks pretty good. Oh, he's got a, what do you call it, a haberdasher? Oh, he's a haberdasher. He's, he's got a haberdasher for sure. Absolutely. Um, i got to see him in a couple hats. It's time for him to be a hat man, too. Let's get to the I SEC. I've seen CDC a in a hat. I'm, I think have I you? have. Yeah. I've never seen him in a hat. I think I have. I think I have. But uh, yes, that's uh, that's our schedule for the summer. We also have got a lot going on. NBA game from one of the finals is tonight. By the way, before we get to the finals and preview that game, Monty Williams. How about this guy? Yeah, I know it kind of sucks to go from the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix and all that goes on there, the nice weather and golf courses and cool stuff, and then 
So, so it cost a lot of money for him to move to Detroit. Yeah, but you get a nice house now if you need be. Det- well, you know, Detroit. You can buy the whole neighborhood. You can buy a whole neighborhood. Yeah, this right, is interesting. Right so Phoenix decided they didn't want him to coach their team anymore four years in, took him to the finals, won coach of the year, I think, just last year. But now he has signed a deal with the Detroit Pistons that is the largest head coaching deal in NBA history. NBA history. $72 million on make a six-year deal. Make up to 100 million incentives. Yeah. How about that? So that tells you where the Detroit Pistons were in their coaching search. They pretty much had to overpay. And good for Monty. Good for Monty Williams. And uh, now that Pistons team has been dreadful. Um, I mean, I grew up with the Pistons, and so did you, with them being really oh, yeah. good, right? The the bad boys and then the uh, and you know the, the, the second wave. The yeah, oh, yeah. No, but they've been awful, awful for a while. And um, so Monty Williams back. But NBA Finals tonight, the league's two best teams will square off. And, Ty, you say take the points. The line is nine in favor of the home team, the homestanding Nuggets. You say you like those points. I bought two extra points, so I'm at, a, I'm at plus 11 right now. But What yeah. did that cost you? Wow. It's minus 150 for that. Okay. So you're going to get 11 points in the heat. I like this. I, here's why. I mean, you're, you're looking at trends. Yes, they just came off a seven-game series, but that, they've been, that's been done for a few days now. Get their legs back. And they've won game one on the road Throughout these playoffs, they went into Milwaukee, they went into New York, they went into Boston and took game one. This team likes to get the early jump in a series. Uh, can they do it tonight becomes the question. Ty says yes. Well, can, you, can they win the game tonight, Ty, or are you just liking the points? I picked them to win yesterday, so i got to stick with it. I think, I, think, I think they win one of these first two, I'll say that. Well, they have to because if they go down 2-0, that's... Well, you never... I mean, they were, no, they were up this, 3-0. This... I mean, that came down to a game seven. I, I think this goes six or seven, though. Well, again, they've already beaten the teams. They beat two teams already with better records in the regular season. Is it fair to say the Eastern Conference was better and deeper than it the was. West this year? Well, that so, was the thought going into the playoffs. I think that's true, yeah. too. And we told you Denver, the, the winning percentage of the teams they've beaten to get here is the lowest of any team in the finals since 1959. So, again, they, they as a one seed, they got to play the eight seed. Well, then they played the seven seed. And then they played the Suns. I mean, the Suns and then the you know, – so none of those teams were high seeds. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the, the, the path that they had to take. The Heat, meanwhile, beat the teams with the two best records in the league in the more difficult conference, the East. They beat the Bucks and the Celtics, and they beat the Knicks, who had a good year. So, I mean, I, they're not going to be afraid of them. I don't think it's as one-sided as some people believe. And if they can get this – I also saw this in a smart business move. Did you see that Jimmy but- Butler has filed a trademark – for Hemi Buckets. Hemi Buckets, he's going to trademark that because uh, the new thing with Jimmy Butler is he is him. He is him. Ah. And uh, he has been him in this postseason. Get that merch out there. Hemi Buckets. His pronouns are him. Is it fair to say that both of these guys, he and Nikola Jokic, certainly the winner of this series, goes from star to superstardom, correct? Yes. Because Jimmy Butler's been a great up player and an all-star, good two-way player for a long, long time. He's always been the second guy, hadn't he? You win this, you're a Hall of Famer if you're Jimmy Butler. Sure. He's, and, the second, he's been a second guy most of the time, right? Well, especially the way, yes. And especially when, you know, Philadelphia 76er fans are still bumming watching this guy oh. carry his team to the championship, thinking, what are we doing? We had him. <laughs> we had him on our team. You love Ben Simmons so much. Yeah, you loved Ben Simmons. And, ugh, James Harden. Golly. Uh, but, yeah, Hemi Buckets. And then Nikola Jokic, right? I think he's already shown that he's the best player playing. And, um, you know, he would go – he goes from superstar to 
otherworldly, right? If they win this series, and Jimmy Buckets joins pretty elite company uh, with a, with a championship, and I, I think if you listen to the tone of both teams and their 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 coaches, and you know teams that people to follow their teams, this isn't a one year thing for either. I think the Heat have built something that is sustainable, right? I mean they're they can add pieces around this if they win or lose this series. They can, you know, Tyler Hero has been ruled out for tonight's game, but he'll be back. And uh, they've built something really nice in the Eastern Conference and at Miami. Um, remember, they're in the finals in the bubble, and uh, here they are back in the finals, seventh time since 06. So obviously they have a winning culture, and you have Jimmy Butler to build around. Yeah, I think Jimmy Butler wears down before Jokic. And then, De- and then in Denver, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe this is the first of a run, right, with uh, the, the, the demise of the Golden State Warriors, their general manager and president leaving, the cap situation they're in, that the, the Warriors' last run was this one. The Lakers are still old, and they've got work to do. Phoenix, is this is this the beginning of a run for Denver with Jokic, a young Jamal Murray, a really young, talented roster that they go on, you know, four or five year run of of reeling off some championships. Not just this one. Kind of feels like they're in that spot, and that starts tonight, seven thirty tip. Ty says take the points, and takes the Heat to win the ball game. You're taking Denver to win tonight. I am. I'm going to cover. I'm close. I think it'll win be they'll win by six. Ooh. That was the opening line. That's where the line opened. And and by the way, Jimmy Butler's thirty three years old, so you know That's what I'm saying. I mean, he'll wear down I mean, the way he plays and the kind of you know, he's one of those quick twitch guys too, E. Those are the ones that you know uh Jokic twenty eight, so uh, right in his prime. And that's where this stands. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler would like to bring home this championship. And boy, he what, reminds me a lot. Jimmy Butler reminds me a lot of Derrick Rose, the quick twitch guys that Make those quick moves, those hard moves, and eventually kind of wear out. Body starts to wear out a little bit. I mean, he's physical right now, but in two years. Yeah, I mean, I think his, his this is his opportunity. But you know, yeah. between thirty, I mean, he could. Have, it wouldn't be surprising at thirty-four to have the Heat back here, and maybe thirty-five becomes his limit. But uh, that's the opportunity. So there you go. That tips off tonight. I'm going to take the Heat as well. Give me the Heat to uh, pull the upset. I think the rust versus rest argument. I think it's going to be the Heat that come in with the playoff-level intensity. I don't think Denver's going to be hitting that right now after nine or ten days off. I think they're going to get an early good start and then pull off the upset in my in Denver. I still think Denver wins the series, big picture, but I think Miami gets game one tonight. We'll come back, take your thoughts on the NBA Finals. I'll start looking forward to a busy weekend uh, with baseball all over the place. You've got uh, golf at Jack's Place. We'll preview that as well, teeing off this morning in Columbus, Ohio. It's a busy Thursday on a buck-off Thursday on B&E. It's Bucky and Aaron. Yeah, pretty sure after listening to the Buck and T.Y. talk about this uh, curious case of Natalia Rose documentary series show, I will not be watching that. No, it's it's a it's a shame. That's on the uh, the dwarf. The young lady experiencing dwarfism from the Ukraine yes. that was adopted, and that whole storyline sounds story like a show. Of, story, it sounds like a depressing story that I really it don't very, want to it, watch. It really is. It's very depressing. It's wild. And I think they really had. I think somebody in that family, not all of them, had good intentions, but they didn't all go into it together with good intentions. There were some bad intentions in there. We need to watch the uh, end of Ted Lasso. 
finish that off. I did finish off Succession. I do need to watch The Ride. You need to watch The Ride, too, the eight-part docuseries on bull riding. Uplifting things in this world right now. I think knowing you like I have for as long as I have, I think if you get to the Prime video and watch The Ride, the docuseries behind the scenes of the bull riders, you'll love it. Yes. It's really good. It's, it's, it's captivating because you know these guys are, are great athletes, um, but you get to know their families and how they became where they are and I mean, how do you choose bull riding? Good night. Um, but so it's really, really going to be good. I've seen one episode, got to see that preview last week, and that's now streaming. And, of course, the Austin Gamblers were featured in that series, three, one of the three teams in the PBR. And, um, you know, they, bring, they sponsor Buck Off Thursday now, so we appreciate them and their partnership. But, you know, highly recommend checking it out. If you like Drive to Survive, Mm-hmm. The F1 series, and that thing has I did. that thing has soared. It has F1 soaring now because people have learned that all that goes on, it's done in a very similar way as Drive to Survive. It, it's behind the scenes. You learn about these teams. You learn about the sport itself, and you, you kind of get hooked on it because uh, then you, you root for the guys. You, you know, and as J.J. Gotts told us last week when we talked to him, the president, he said what people don't know and he can't reveal it, but, but one of their writers who's featured – deals with a real family tragedy during the, the season. Uh, he couldn't say what that is, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you have a tragedy in your family, then you have to go ride bulls. Um, you know, talk about trying to stay focused, you know, driving F1 cars, but driving bull, eight seconds on a bull. So check it out. The ride, I think you'll like it, and it'll bring you to the sport because it's a professional sport here in Austin. Well, I, I think I, I've been going through these not-so-uplifting, watching, viewing things like Court TV, like Natalia. Oh, but you know, you know, even when you told me last week about your wife and the special needs and special Olympics and stuff, and sure. Ty was telling me uh, that that's uplifting to me. But this, these things that are just drag you down. When they drag you down, when there's so much of it that's going on, I mean, it's it keeps you in that focus, and you don't want to be focused like that. You want to be focused on things that are uplifting. You should watch Love on the Spectrum. Netflix. Oh, yeah, that's kid. Yeah, when when autistic folks get together, it's uplifting. Yes, and uh, they try to. Date. That's what I need to. That's what I need to focus on more stuff like that. There you go. Uh, or Ted Lasso. I mean, the the final season is not as great as the first couple seasons, but uh, I think it's a it's a classic show. Um, Succession. I, that's not going to be uplifting. Succession no. not uplifting. As I said earlier, it's a it's great with show. Greed and all that kind of stuff. What do no you thanks. think of the ending? I loved it. I thought the ending was great. Don't need to spoil it for exactly how it should have been. I mean, it's exactly how it should have been. You every character on that show is so unlikable that you just knew. I mean, you're not going to like the ending. Whether it's just going to be, hey, my guy made it out on top. Well, I don't think I had a guy. That was I, I never watched a show or gotten involved in a show where you didn't have one person that you rooted for. You just don't in succession. You're just like they're all. I mean, golly, um, but it's done well. Tremendous show. So good TV coming. And our guy Jamal Charles is a big supporter of Special Olympics. I mean, he well, was not only was he this, ran in the special he was in the Special he was Olympics. He was in the Special Olympics, yeah. Which is incredible. And he's given incredible speeches for it. Well, I, I worked with him at an event over at Del Valley High School where he was the featured speaker a couple years ago. Tremendous guy. And what a great player. Yeah, amazing to think he was in the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then rose to become one of the great running backs at Texas and in the NFL. And in Kansas City history, too. All right, so... Uh, Check out all that, and we will certainly be checking out the NBA Finals Game 1 tonight. The uh, PGA Tour is in Ohio. That's uh, Oh, wait Jack- a minute. Buck on to Harold Varner the Thursday last week. Won the Live Tour event. Got the Live Tour event. Went past. He won something? Yes. Yes, he did. Live. Absolutely. Dang live. it.
Yeah, good for him. Good buck on today. Good buck offs. We appreciate you, Ty. Good work with our tech difficulties we had there at the beginning. We made it through that. Hopefully no more of those to come. Uh, coming up, it is Light the Tower. I think you're going to have Craig Way from Coral Gables, where he is holding it down, getting ready to call Texas baseball this weekend. Jeff Howe and the crew will certainly have more to come on the big news. Texas basketball, Dylan Mitchell coming back for a sophomore season for the Longhorns. They've got... Uh, Quite the roster they're putting together. I'm sure Jeff will have more on that coming up as well. Chad and Zay through the midday. Harge and Rod this afternoon. We'll be talking all things NBA Finals tomorrow morning, getting you ready for the Texas Regional at Coral Gables. Buck, have a good one. Good too, guys. Every hour, including Jerry Hamilton, podcast at hornfm.com.